Welcome to T-Row Price's Confident Conversations on Retirement. My name is Christine Akins, and I'm delighted to be your host. I've spent my career helping people prepare for retirement. My colleagues joining me today are financial professionals who help people on their retirement journey, whether they're planning for retirement or are already there. So today's topic is speaking to people who are around the corner from retirement and wondering, should I postpone my retirement? Maybe you've set a date to retire five years from now, or maybe you're hoping you can call it quits at the end of next year. You might have even shared these plans with your boss, your family, your friends, but now you're having second thoughts. Whether you're concerned about what the markets are doing or you just aren't sure if you've planned or saved enough, those feelings of doubt can be a confidence killer. If that's where you are today, this conversation is for you. Joining me to discuss how to walk through deciding when to retire are certified financial planner professionals, Lindsay Theodore and Judith Ward. Welcome to the show, Lindsay and Judy. Thank you for having us. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Christine. So Judy, when people talk about retiring, what do they mean? Do they never want to work again or do they just say they don't want to do what's been their day to day for several years? I've heard people say it's the freedom from work to do what they want. It's a mindset. It could be never working again. It could be traveling and volunteering. It could mean continuing to earn money, whether consulting or part-time, perhaps exploring a new endeavor. But it's on their terms now. Recently, this is kind of funny, I met a woman who told me that she is retired. I'm like, oh, well, what do you do with your time? She goes, I sell real estate. So clearly to her, she's still working, but she considers herself retired because it's on her terms. So it seems that people view it as a new chapter in their lives. I totally agree with that. I think it really varies from individual to individual. Some see retirement as they never want to have to be somewhere at an appointment that they did not set up. And for some, it is that second act. It's that opportunity to spend more time doing what they wish they had more time to do when they were working. The most important thing you can do, though, is really get that definition in your mind, kind of have a vision for what, what's that going to look like, and then plan accordingly. So if you know that you do not want to postpone retirement and you do not want to have any requirement that you earn money when you do retire, make sure to get your affairs in order to meet that goal. And if you know you want to work part-time or maybe do some consulting work or even work in retail for fun, Estimate how much you'll earn from that part-time work as conservatively as possible so that you're prepared when the time comes and you don't feel that pressure. And Lindsay, do your clients just call you up one day and say, I want to retire in five years. Is that possible? How does this usually work? So I'd say it's very common for investors to go to a professional like myself five years, three years, or even one year from retirement and ask that question, am I ready? Have I done everything I need to transition? Fortunately for most of the clients I work with on a day-to-day basis, those clients can certainly retire because they've generally saved well and managed their assets and expenses in a very responsible way. However, I'd say that five years is probably the minimum length of time from when you hope to retire that you should be asking that question and seeking that guidance. Because the further out you plan, the more time you'll have to pull the various levers to set yourself up for success. So that would be saving more, changing your investment strategy and your asset allocation, changing your date, and most importantly, getting a good handle on your spending. Making that decision to retire is such a big decision in your life. What causes people to second guess when they're going to retire? Do people get cold feet? And if so, what triggers that? 
Of course, people get cold feet, even clients who are extremely excited about retirement and know exactly what they want to spend their time doing, or they're just really sick of their jobs. Even they get nervous about the transition. You know, in many cases, these people have spent 40 or 50 years working in some capacity and saving. So to not have that daily routine and to not have that paycheck that comes in consistently, it can be quite scary. So I'd say one thing that I work with my clients on is just is setting up, you know, a short-term paycheck replacement fund, that short-term money that's going to replace the paycheck that you're no longer getting. It's different for every client, but typically 12 to 24 months is probably the minimum you'd want to have set aside. And that'll give you some peace of mind to know that your paycheck will be coming in still, and you won't have to worry potentially about selling from your portfolio right away because one big thing that can cause clients to postpone retirement is that if they were in the wrong investment strategy and the market was not acting in their favor. I love this idea of a a cash cushion, as, as you were talking about, Lindsay. And generally, we say around two years worth of your income need and retirement. So it can help, you know, with that as you're transitioning to retirement, knowing that you have that. And if the markets, you know, were down, it gives you an alternative source to draw income from or take money from. So you don't have to sell something at a at a low point. A friend of mine calls it his sleep at night money. So I, I love that expression. And I think that's something that if you're close to retirement, you could start now to have that cash cushion, two years of what you think you might be spending in retirement, to start building that up so you have that as you enter into retirement. Absolutely. You know, outside of that feeling that you're ready for retirement, some people have a number in mind. What's the right way to determine when you're ready? So how much money does somebody need to retire? That's a great question, Christine. And We hear all the time people will say that, oh, it takes a million dollars to retire, or you need $2 million before you can even think about retiring. We do have some retirement savings benchmarks that might serve as a guide. For example, you know, for investors that are age 65, again, just this general guideline of maybe 11 times their income in retirement savings to be well-positioned. But again, it's just a guide, and everyone's situation is really different. For some people, it may be a particular age when they can start receiving Social Security benefits, for example, or when they might be eligible for Medicare, or when they might be able to receive their full pension. However, if investors or retirees are going to be reliant on their own savings, in addition to maybe Social Security, for example, They should certainly run the numbers to make sure that their savings will support the lifestyle they envision and really start determining a retirement budget and compare to the income sources that they're going to have come in and not just rely on rules of thumb at this point. Yeah, I agree with everything Judy said. I think if you're going to base your decision on a certain age or a certain dollar amount, a dollar amount is probably a better barometer, but you don't want it to be just an arbitrary number that you came up with by talking to neighbors or hearing, like Judy was saying, that you should have $1 million or $2 million saved because $2 million is a lot of money. But if you're 55 
and you plan on retiring in the next couple of years and you want to spend 100000 from your portfolio, that money is not going to go as far as someone who's 65 and has $2 million and only needs 60000 So You just want to get a good sense of, of how much you're going to spend. The earlier you can start planning for retirement, the better, because you'll have more time to adjust those levers. But sometimes it can be difficult. I have some clients come to me 20 years out, <laughs> and they're raising children and paying tuitions and buying houses and having pretty large mortgages. And it's tough to know for them what they're going to spend, but they can start to envision it. And so getting a good sense of what you're going to spend will give you a much better idea of how much you need saved. And again, I think that's a better barometer probably than just a specific age. And when you're five years out from retirement, how do you approach or change your investment allocation? Lindsay, we'd love to hear from you first. If you're planning on retiring at 65 and you're in your 50s, you should probably have between 65 and 85% in stock. And if you're in your 60s, it should be anywhere between 45 and 65% in stock. So the ideal way to target these changes is gradually and not immediately. You ideally do not want to go into retirement or a year or even five years out with 80 or 90% in stock. That's not ideal because, again, we could all be subject to just bad timing and just not knowing what the markets are going to do. So age-based portfolios are a nice option if you know that you're not going to necessarily rebalance on your own. But seeking the help of a professional, they can help you determine what's the appropriate mix of stocks, bonds, and cash. I like to ask people to think about their current lifestyle and how an asset allocation or their investments might affect that lifestyle if they had to take money out. So if you're many years from retirement and I said, okay, if your portfolio went down 20 to 30 percent, would that affect your current lifestyle? And for someone many years from retirement, it probably wouldn't right? Because they, they're still working, they have a salary, they're not going to plan to dip into that money until many years from now. But if you ask someone in retirement, if your portfolio went down 20 to 30 percent, would that impact your lifestyle? And it could. If they're drawing money from that portfolio, it could absolutely affect their current lifestyle. So that's how I think about that idea of risk, the fluctuations, the volatility of the market. And that's why, as Lindsay was suggesting, a balanced approach in retirement might help to dampen when the portfolio does go down because it could impact your lifestyle. Now, some retirees, they may have like really robust income sources and they might not have to draw from their portfolio or they might be so well-funded that they're not worried about running out of money. And I think they have a little more luxury to probably invest more along their risk tolerance. They could be more aggressive because they can be and they might be leaving money for their heirs, or they could be more conservative because they can. So a lot of it depends on your situation, your risk tolerance, but again, how much downside can you take in your portfolio to make sure you have an allocation that will work? Such great perspective. Well, we all know it's hard to predict the markets. So when is the right time to make changes to your investment allocation without too much disruption? Lindsay. There's really never a bad time to implement or change to 
an appropriate risk profile when it comes to your investments. Again, like Judy was saying, it really depends on what other sources of income you'll have in retirement because for some, they might be able to take as little or as much risk as possible and it shouldn't affect anything. But if you know you're going to be living off of your investments and you discover that you're probably taking more risk either because the market has been more volatile and suddenly you're much more aware of that or just because you've spoken with a professional or gone online and done some research and you realize it, there's really never a bad time to necessarily make that change. The other thing I'd say, too, is that the closer you get to retirement, make the changes to be in the appropriate risk profile for you and your needs, but also set aside that money for that short-term paycheck replacement or the sleep-at-night money that Judy was mentioning. Doing that will help you to feel more comfortable with making the changes that need to be made. And lastly, try to think about the big picture and don't let the temporary volatility at any time drive you away from making changes that will put you in the best position longer term to fund your retirement. You know, another idea, too, is to use your contributions. So if you're contributing to retirement accounts or IRAs before retirement, you know, the years leading up, you could start targeting those contributions to the more conservative areas rather than putting it all in maybe a stock fund or something. You could start including bonds in your mix and just use your contributions to get there over time as well. Some really great ideas. So if you're retiring soon and you know what you need to replace your near-term income, where should that money be? Lindsay, let's hear from you first. Typically, clients who are about five years away from retirement may consider reducing their stock exposure, so reducing that downside potential in their portfolio. Of course, it does depend on what your income need from your portfolio will be and what the time horizon is for needing it and also how long you typically could live in retirement. Of course, nobody knows how long they're going to live in retirement, but we like to plan for a longer life versus a shorter life. So if you are concerned about short-term volatility, if you know that you want to target retiring and you don't want to have to postpone it because of short-term market situations, then one may consider reducing the stock allocation leading up to retirement and also adding to that short-term income replacement bucket so they know that if the stock market doesn't perform in favor to them retiring at a certain point in time, they have something to fall back on and won't need to sell their investments at a short-term loss. In early 2022, we saw a lot of inflation, around 7.5% in March, where for years it was near zero. You know, for many of our listeners, this development weighs on the retirement planning. How does somebody know if their money will last if inflation were to continue? Judy, what are your thoughts? Inflation is really on everyone's mind. Based on recent history, inflation has been fairly benign. So it is quite a shock. You know, the best way to combat inflation is through your investment allocation. And we had enjoyed many years of a bull market. And so our balances have increased. The other thing that we see is a lot of retirees, they actually make adjustments. You know, we make adjustments all throughout our life, and they make adjustments, too, in retirement. They might have to make spending trade-off decisions, as many of us are making now. In research that we've done, we've shown that if you can just hold spending tight, just hold tight for a couple years, perhaps, then inflation will stabilize, hopefully. But we're not expecting you know double-digit inflation for, for decades to come. So holding tight... Maybe keeping spending flat for a couple years, 
Now, with higher inflation, that probably means some kind of spending cut because you're paying more for prices. But I think this idea of just being flexible, the spending in retirement is one of the biggest levers that you have. Before the pandemic, supply very clearly exceeded demand in many parts of the world. And then the pandemic hit, and we experienced inflation more than we had in the previous decade. But prior to that, technology had unlocked a lot of capacity and increased competition and efficiencies, and we were able to get products at a pretty good price, pretty competitive price. But like Judy was saying, the biggest things you can do to control the weight that inflation might have on your retirement capabilities or on your your happiness in retirement is understand you know your spending and understand your priorities. When inflation was higher, and my husband and I determined that we can live without chicken wings, but not bacon. You know, <laughs> and I like fresh cut flowers, and it doesn't matter if they're a little bit more, but we can hold off on buying a new couch, things like that. So make sure you're aware of where you're willing to uh, dial back the spending if it's necessary, because it's likely to be shorter term, although we don't know what the future will bring. And then, of course, we've talked a lot about managing risk and reducing your downside potential leading up to retirement and hopefully doing that gradually and over time instead of really quickly, dependent on on your uh, timing. But it's also important to have growth potential, too. So you need to balance those two. You need to have your short-term money set aside for that paycheck replacement. You need to also make sure that you have the appropriate growth vehicles so that you can keep pace with inflation because stocks have provided a pretty consistent hedge for inflation risk over the years. And how important is flexibility? And where do people tend to be more open to making changes? So, Lindsay, when it comes to spending, is the compromise in the everyday expenses, like your fresh-cut flowers, or in big-ticket items? I'd say that big-ticket items like major trips or car purchases, holding off on those can have a big impact because they account for a larger share of the spending that you're planning on. So those big-ticket items, holding off on those things if for some reason your portfolio is down and you haven't set aside that money prior to to it being down, you know, those are going to make the bigger impact and possibly allow you to not postpone retirement if you're willing to postpone those bigger purchases. But the day-to-day smaller purchases and knowing what you want to prioritize and what you'd be willing to cut, that will make a difference because they add up over time. So Judy, are there ways that you can test drive retirement? What can you do? Absolutely. I mean, we see a lot of retirees now or folks who are getting ready to retire that really they want it to be a longer transition, right? It doesn't have to be, oh, I stopped work and now I'm retired. We see a lot of people wanting to maybe work part-time. One of the things that have come out of the pandemic is more people are comfortable working remotely. More companies are allowing people to work remotely. And what that does is it gives, if you want to you know, stay in the workforce and have a remote work, you know, possibly go try out different places that you might want to live in retirement for a month or more to see if it's a, an area that you want to stay in retirement. If you don't hate your job, <laughs> maybe it just makes it a little more palatable to stay in the workforce a little longer. And then you can also start stepping into it. I've known people that have cut their work hours back from like five days a week to three days a week, or someone who was going to be in the office like for three months and then off a month. So if your employer will work with you and, and you're able to do something like that, that's a great way to think about retirement. I know 
during the pandemic when we were working from home. You know, it was the first time that my husband and I were together in the same house all day. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is kind of like a test run for what retirement might be. So I discovered that, you know, I'm going to have to find something that gets me out of the house once in a while in retirement. So people might already have had that test drive of retirement. I think working remotely has really opened up a lot of opportunities for people to do some traveling, to check out different areas. And then maybe you can even try living off of one income, for example. Um, The other thing that I would add is that when we talk about test driving retirement, think about it as a couple. We might have in our mind what we think retirement is going to be. Well, you have to talk to your spouse and make sure that you're on the same page. And think about, too, when are you going to retire? Are you going to retire together? Is one going to continue to work while the other is retired? You know, those are a lot of things that, that you need to think about prior to retirement or through this transition phase, if you will. Be open to flexibility. Just be open to what things can become. Some really great insights, Judy. Lindsay, would you add to that? No, I, I completely agree with everything Judy said. Like she was saying, employers are having a hard time finding good employees because it, the labor market is so tight. So in many cases, now you can negotiate possibly working less hours or working from home and having that flexibility so that you can test drive retirement. And so take advantage of those things if it's something you're considering. All right. And if you have to delay retiring, what are the financial benefits of that move, Lindsay? So if you do have to delay retiring, it's not the end of the world. There are some great benefits. It allows you to delay Social Security, potentially, and Social Security does grow every year, even every month that you delay taking it. You'll have less time in retirement, so therefore potentially less assets you need to have saved to sustain you over a longer retirement. And of course, you'll accumulate most likely more saving and lessen the time that you're drawing down. Also, In many cases, health insurance provided through an employer can be cheaper than going out on the private market and buying it, especially if you're under 65 and don't qualify for Medicare. So there are certainly some benefits. I think one of the things that we haven't talked about today is Social Security benefits. So you're eligible for most people at age 62. As Lindsay said, the longer you can wait to claim Social Security up to age 70, the more that check will be every month. And Social Security is adjusted for inflation. So, you know, we talk about combating inflation. Your Social Security check will go up with inflation. So Social Security is a really important stream of income in retirement. So I I think that if you are not in retirement yet, that's that's something you really want to look at and take seriously because it it really is important for a lot of retirees. The other thing, again, as Lindsay said, maybe that's the time you buy the big ticket items while you still have cover of a salary rather than having to do that, you know, while you're in retirement. And it is more years that you can continue to save. So again, if you can make it palatable, if you feel like you have to postpone at, at this time, just continue to to work on that plan. Well, this has been a great conversation. Let's summarize a few key takeaways for our listeners. 
Judy, what would you highlight? I think give yourself the flexibility. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You know, you, you can start stepping into retirement while still perhaps, you know, having a, a paycheck. That's what I would say is, you know, have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Even the idea of taking um, your Social Security benefits, it doesn't have to be 62 or nothing. It, it could, you know, you could get, give it year to year to year to see how, how your situation is unfolding. Lindsay, how about you? Yeah, there are many factors that may compel you to postpone retirement or force you to postpone retirement. But if you know you want to retire at a certain point, consider what you need to do to prepare yourself for that as early as possible. And the way you can do that is trying to control what you can control before the decision is right upon you. So understand the X you're solving for when it comes to retirement. And that X would be like, what does your lifestyle look like? What are your spending needs and wishes and wants? Get a good sense of that because that'll help you, like Judy said, figure out where you can be flexible. And then figure out how much you'd need to save in order to solve for that X and be prepared to make changes if necessary. Well, it's hard to believe, but it's time for us to start wrapping the discussion. We want to leave our listeners with a parting thought or a next step. Lindsay, let's start with you. So I'd say really think about when you hope to retire and what are the reasons for that date or that time period in your life. And what are the factors that would either compel you to or force you to postpone retirement and start to jot down some of the things you can do to prepare. Is that changing your asset allocation? Is it making sure that you have that short-term paycheck replacement bucket filled? Is it just researching healthcare options and seeing what that would actually look like? Think about the factors that might force you to postpone retirement. If it's important to you that you don't want that to happen, think about what you can do. And I think we've touched on a, a couple of items today that hopefully will help you determine what you can do to see that you won't necessarily have to postpone retirement. Judy, what are your thoughts? Well, it, it's funny. We do a, lo- a lot of research about people that are close to retirement and in retirement. And what we find is that the people that are just on the cusp of retirement, it's like it's really scary, right? Because it's uncharted territory. Envision how you want to spend your time in retirement, not just the financial aspect, but the emotional, like what do you what do you want to do in retirement? And if you're planning with a spouse, what what do you want to do together? And what do you want to do separately, right? Because you probably don't want to spend every single minute together with each other, no matter how much you love each other. So there is this emotional side to retiring that I think weighs heavy on people. But what we find is people that are in retirement for longer than like two years, they're confident. Everything has worked out. They have figured it out. So I just go back to, you know, be kind to yourself and try to get as much of the financials in line, but think about the emotional side. Well, great. Thank you both so much for joining me today. This has been a terrific conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Again, I'm Christine Akins, and thank you for listening. Please tune in for our next episode, which focuses on understanding required minimum distributions, better known as RMDs. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I hope your next step towards retirement is a confident one. T. Rowe Price, Retire with Confidence. 
This episode of Confident Conversations on Retirement is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to provide legal, tax, or investment advice. This podcast does not provide recommendations concerning investments, investment strategies, or account types. It is not individualized to the needs of any specific investor and not intended to suggest any particular investment action is appropriate for you, nor is it intended to serve as a primary basis for investment decision-making. The views contained herein are as of the date noted on the material and are subject to change without notice. These views may differ from those of other T. Rowe Price Group companies and or associates. Copyright 2022, T. Rowe Price, all rights reserved. T. Rowe Price, invest with confidence, retire with confidence, the Bighorn Sheep Design, and Confident Conversations, collectively and or apart, are trademarks of T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. T. Rowe Price Investment Services Incorporated, T. Rowe Price Associates Incorporated, and T. Rowe Price Investment Management Incorporated are affiliated companies.